Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. My name is Cooper Sherry, and I came to the village with my wife Sarah and my daughter Eleanor back in August of 2020. And so we've been here now for almost six months. We came to the village because we were looking for Eleanor to have a chance to come to school here this year. So we, I was really just very happy to do anything that made sense in the village. And uh, that ended up being a kind of a split for me between housekeeping and kitchen. So I spent a lot of time in the kitchen and on housekeeping services this fall. And so then after all that time, I was able to spend the last month or so writing music for the village. So your background is in organ music, but I'm curious, how do experiences in the village motivate you to make music, especially the suite of piano pieces that have come out in your time being here? It sounds programmatic with the names being things like tailings and sauna and dish team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Holden Piano Suite is a work that I started my first week in the village. One of the first things I was looking forward to doing was being able to go into the VC and sit down at the nine-foot Kauai Grand and have at it because that's such a fun instrument to play. And just playing in that space has always been really nice. So the first chance I got, I think it was the first day out of quarantine, I went in there and sat down and I wrote the first of those piano reflections that day, which... So what I've experienced so far being at Holden while in quarantine is just this sense, here I am waking up every day in Lodge One, and I just go out and there's Martin's Ridge looking down on me. And tried to imagine what that felt like as a catalyst for writing a song. And that's the first song of the suite is called Waking Neath the Ridge. It's kind of like my dad writes poetry, and I relate to the idea of poetry in terms of creating thematic music. Basically, if I take a subject matter, if music is my language, then you're trying to create some representation of your subject. It's just a matter of thinking about what you're writing about, and for me, moving my fingers around the keyboard and seeing what happens as I think about that thing as things emerge, as I'm improvising on the thoughts and the sounds, I keep the things I like and then I build on them. And then it eventually works its way into some kind of piece. And so like with that Waking Neath the Ridge, it's very slow and kind of meditative. Uh, to me, feels like kind of a morning energy. So how many pieces total are in the, the suite? Yeah, it's seven movements. The The kind of the overall idea of it is takes the general shape of from morning till night. So you kind of wake, you wake up in the first movement and you go to bed in the last movement. And it plays out the day, like the basic idea is you wake up, you do your morning shift of work, then you go take a hike, you see what's out there, it's time to come back and do your dish team shift, you hit the sauna, and then as you're falling asleep, you're laying there thinking about the vespers you just heard. That's kind of the way the suite unfolds. And that last piece, which is called Echoes of 86, 
is probably my favorite piece in the suite just because it's sentimental. It's the one that I think most people will recognize something in. The whole piece is my improvisations on Marty Haugen's Vespers 86, which in the wider world is known as Holden Evening Prayer. That piece is the longest of the suite and probably the most useful because it could function as a church prelude if you wanted to play it before a service or something, just because a lot of churches really like Holden Evening Prayer and would recognize the, the music from it. You got good feedback from Marty. Yeah, you know, I knew I needed to seek Marty's permission for that. And he was so nice. And he ended up uh, writing me back about how, you know, he really liked the piece and had a lot of nice things to say, but also just he remembered himself sitting at the piano that I recorded it on and that I wrote it on himself in the very same room that I recorded it back in 85, 86, when he wrote Holden Evening Prayer and Vespers 86. So that was just kind of like this weird, complete turnaround of the whole experience. So that felt really like a cool connection. And I'm very grateful to him for feeling happy about this kind of thing getting done with his work and his permission to use it this way. Could you talk to your influences well, I'm a real child of the, the 80s. You know, I was born in 72, so the 80s was when I was in my middle school, high school years. All the music that was coming down the pike in those days was very influential to me. That was when the new a uh, sort of new age music really came into its own. And the Wyndham Hill artist that kind of paved the way for a lot of things was George Winston, and especially his December album was hugely influential to me. I've tried to learn to play most of the songs on that album. I've listened to it countless times. And I think his style is something that's influenced my piano playing and writing a great deal. I'm a huge fan of Elton John. I've studied his licks over and over and over. I try to play in his style. And that's a big part of, I feel, is my own development is just understanding what other people do to make their songs sound a certain way, incorporating some of my favorite things about that, and then just finding ways that when I'm improvising, some of those favorite things that I hear in, in others playing can take a life in my own style. That is one of the things I love about music is how influences just kind of build and move forward through different people. Classically, uh, I can't get enough of Bach. The whole Baroque period is my main jam uh, as a church musician. I <laughs> I probably make my congregation sick of Baroque music because that's just what I love to play. I, you know, and that's the best music for me on the pipe organ. So Holden has a long history of hosting musicians. Why is it that Holden continue to offer opportunities for musical innovation? And what is it about this place that inspires creativity? Mm-hmm. To me, Holden is like this ridiculously unique place that I don't understand how it exists. And just being here as an adult and living here for a long time like this, I was talking to Sarah about it and it's just, I haven't felt like this since college. You live in a dwelling with a bunch of people who live in that dwelling with you. You go to meals every day together. You have events throughout the day together where you gather in different places for different reasons. That's exactly what it felt like to me in college. And then just like in college, you have things you're interested in getting done, things you're interested in creating, things you're working on. And 
all these people to share it with and a, a reason for it to get done in a way that you know people will appreciate. When you're alone in isolation, you create something and you hope someone might have a chance to hear it. Here at Holden, you create it and you instantly get to show it to everybody or put it to good use. Just that aspect of the community that has an artistic appetite and sense of encouragement and generation after generation and decade after decade of people who've come along to create things here. It just builds on itself. And there's just a tradition of writing here, music, painting, paintings, all kinds of things happen at Holden just by nature of its tradition and the community that exists. So writing music here has been as natural as any place I've ever tried to do it. Speak to the timing of having a choir during COVID and why the village is able to do this in the first place. So, you know, it is strange because the thing that is, has been so devastating for church music outside everywhere in the world has been the fact that there was that incident in the Skagit Valley where a choir rehearsal became emblematic of a super spreader event. And these people got together, they did some distancing, but they sat there and they sang together in a room for a few hours and a bunch of them died. And a lot of them got COVID. It was like the world woke up to the fact that singing together equals death. And for a church musician, the idea that singing together equals death has been the new reality since COVID lockdown began. And it just killed everything about worship. Because I think most people who go to worship have a sense that we're going to get together we're going to sing and we're going to hear the word and we're going to have fellowship to have singing absent from that and in-person events, you know? So here we come up to Holden and Holden situated on a place where no roads go. You literally would have to take a helicopter to get here or a boat. Once you're here, if nobody here has COVID, COVID doesn't exist in the village and can't exist in the village unless someone new comes in who's got it. What the village did is they established protocols to control that with super strict policies where you come into the village, you quarantine in your own building, and nobody can come around you unless everyone's wearing a mask and they're six feet distance and all this stuff. You can't come into the cafeteria. You can't go into any building other than the one you sleep in. And you do that for a full two weeks. Then you come out of that, and guess what? Now you're part of that village where COVID doesn't exist. And it can't exist because you've quarantined for the full two weeks and taken a test. So once everybody in the village reaches that state, then this tiny village, 30, 33 people, whatever we are at a given time, we've been able to operate like one household. And that means we're in buildings together. We sing together. And so that whole thing of we sing together is such a singularity. I think it only exists kind of like where sports teams have decided, well, if we're going to play these games, everybody's got to live together. We're creating a, a household for these teams. We test all the time. Nobody's got it. Okay, we can play the games. Well, same thing up here. You know, we've, as a village, bubbled 
proved that nobody has COVID, done the strict quarantines, done the testing, and now we can sing. And interestingly, we still follow masking in work situations, but the worship and community events don't fall into that. So then wearing a mask isn't needed when you're singing. And mask wearing is done for policy adherence so that we're in compliance for workspace regulations with the state of Washington and with the county here. But outside of work situations, which worship is not considered a work situation, it's considered a community event and a spiritual practice, these things have been able to happen. The choir that we've had here has been remarkable. And at the very beginning of COVID, spring of 2020, before we came to Holden, I had written a fresh setting of the Compline service for Lent. And then COVID hit and we couldn't do it. You know, we couldn't get together and sing it live. And so I brought that up here to Holden and we used it in the season of Advent. And the choir was able to sing this, you know, 20 minute acapella setting of Compline. And we did it every week for Advent. And it was such a rich offering to have this choir of acapella voices singing together in a world that doesn't sing right now. I usually like ending with some gratitude of some sort and curious about like what the the future holds. Leaving is going to be really hard. It's one of the heaviest weights I've felt in a long time thinking of leaving this place that has just given me so much in this time where the world is suffering and we've been able to come up here as a family. I will be forever grateful to the village for having the Holden School as a place for our daughter Eleanor in this time for the whole village's just welcome of our family and specifically of her, of the way in which Kathy, Mark, and Stacy, our new directors, have formed a village that is based on togetherness and community and working together to figure out the way we're going to live and the orientation of the village. And it's just going to be so wonderful to think back on this time. You know, this has been a hard time in a lot of ways because even though this is a wonderful place and it's incredible to be up here right now, we were in a tiny, remote, isolated setting with about 30 people for six months. And that being all you get in life means that everything is just magnified so much and just your mind just gets stuck in the village and whatever you're thinking on a given moment. And it's hard to see past that sometimes. And so the long winter is a thing at Holden. And that's why I think one of the core values of Holden that must always remain is hilarity, because that's how we get through it together, is we can't take it too seriously. We can't get stuck in our frustrations and just finding joy in the absurd and making sure that we create the absurd where there's not enough joy is always going to be just the, the stroke that gets us through whatever we're suffering together.
Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.